Thank you, Brother Kelvin. Welcome to everybody here. Great to see everybody. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. We are in Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 17 through verse 19. We will read together as the infallible word of God with absolute authority, without error, reads as follows. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around Elycrum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Let us have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving you thanks for your mercy. Also in repentance and in confession for all those times that we have boasted of our own righteousness or even been prideful in any sinful way. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit may teach us, convict us, empower us so that we may boast only in the work of that God the Father has done through us in Christ. And it is in Jesus' name that we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. I have titled today's sermon, Boasting and Signs for the Glory of God, or the Glory of Christ. After the sermon last week in which we spoke about the Reformation anniversary, Reformation Sunday, as it's often referred. We spoke about the application that the Protestant Reformation has in every one of our lives. We spoke about how we have a need to constantly reform our minds, our thoughts, our character, our behaviors, so that we come back in line to what the word of the Lord teaches us. That is a constant battle that every Christian goes through. If there are no struggles or if we are blinded by our sin and say that we have no struggles, right? Reminds us of the scripture. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So may that be encouragement for us as we saw last week that God is faithful and he will Give us the strength and the power to reform our personal lives to be in line with his word. We thank the Lord for that. Now, we're going back to the exposition of the book of Romans. We are right in the middle, right about the middle of chapter 15. And where we left off last time, two Sundays ago, let us recap what the Apostle Paul is doing to use in analogy of flying on a, on a plane. We know that through the book of Romans, Paul has already taxied. That is setting the tone for the letter and his intent, who he's going to write that to. He has taken off and started climbing. That was, for instance, describing the human condition. Everyone has a default failed status when it comes to our spiritual and our moral life. Then Paul kind of got up to altitude and he was cruising for a, for a long while. 
we could see that as him teaching doctrine after doctrine of who God is, who we are, the doctrine of how we are saved, and many other doctrines that he touched on about Israel and the Gentiles and how the true Israel is those people that belong to Christ, etc. And now, after cruising for many chapters, right around chapter 14, now he starts his descent. He's now encouraging the local church there at Rome to persevere. That was the last sermon two weeks ago. The Apostle Paul is commending the church at Rome for their faithfulness, right? So Paul admitted that he had been very blunt, very daring in his exhortations to the book to the church at Rome. And he essentially says, I've done that because I know that you're on the right path. You see that? So this should remind us, brothers and sisters, in the whole context of this book, Paul is writing and exhorting this church heavily. And they are actually on the right track, right? So that, again, has a direct application to us as a church and as individuals. Those of us that sometimes tend to go astray, for sure we need exhortation. But even if we are walking in the ways of the Lord, we still need exhortation. Bold exhortation, as Paul mentions there in the previous passage in chapter 15, that he's like, I've been very bold about many things with you all. Okay, And the Church of Rome has the ability to take that in. Again, another sign of increasing our maturity, growing in the maturity of Christ is if we are exhorted, if we are called to the attention that we may be going astray in one way or another, our maturity and our growth in Christ needs to give us the character to say, hmm, let me listen. Maybe I am off. I don't see it. Maybe I am off. And I need to return. I need to reform. Right? So now the passage that is before us today, Paul is reiterating his status and his authority as an apostle. So what is the main point today that we're going to extract? Well, Paul is given us an illustration of what godly boasting looks like. This may be counterintuitive because we know that the scripture warns us as human beings that we can be sinful in our pride, in our boasting. But we will see today there's actually a godly way to boast, right? Because I don't know about you, but being proud about my accomplishments and about my own abilities, that comes natural. I want everybody to know about that, right? It's easy. That's sinful. Paul will let us know today there's actually a way to be boasting and actually do it in a godly way. Now, if any of you are saying, oh, I ain't prideful. I ain't got no issues with that. You're already being prideful that you're not prideful. So take heed. So we will examine this again as we uh, typically do, not always, but typically in three main headers. Each of the headers will address a verse of the three verses we're covering today. First, we're going to see 
the reason of why Paul is proud of his ministry. Secondly, we're going to see what is the source of Paul's accomplishments. Why is it that he's been able to persevere and to do ministry to the glory of God? What is the source of what is it that fuels him? And then thirdly, we're going to see the validation. In other words, what he's doing is true. And the vindication, all those witnesses around him can see that what he is doing is actually from God. Validation and vindication of his ministry. All right. So let's dig into point number one. What is the reason of Paul being proud, being boastful of his ministry? Verse 17 says, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. What is the context here, right? As our great friend, Greg Coco often says, never read a Bible verse. What is the context here? In the previous passage, Paul had just acknowledged that the church in Rome that he was writing to as a whole is a healthy church. Jews and Gentiles have come together to worship to fellowship, to do life together as a church. And they come from extremely different backgrounds. And Paul is persuaded of the validity of them as a true church. He calls them brothers in verse, in verse 15. He recognizes them as brothers in the Lord, as Christians. He specifically commended them on three specific virtues. He told them as a church that they are full of goodness. They're filled without knowledge and they are able to instruct each other in that knowledge. And by the way, as we saw, this has direct application to us as a local church. If we submit to the word of God as a congregation, our church community, our interactions will show fruit. That is, we are full of goodness in that sense. We will have knowledge and wisdom in how to live our daily lives personally as and as a church community for the glory of God. And because we have that knowledge, we can then instruct one another in righteousness. Again, very direct application to us as a church. That's the context of this passage, how we come here. It is here that Paul says, in Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. The human condition is such that our fallen nature will give us a natural inclination to be prideful in the wrong way. But Paul here is saying, in Christ Jesus, he has a reason to be proud of his work for God. So let us consider then how it is that one can be boastful first in a sinful manner, which the Bible tells us we should not be, and then how we can be boastful in a godly manner, such as how Paul is telling us today. Okay, so in the first sense, and this is a sense in which we have to be alert. Scripture, many instances, warns us of being boastful or prideful in an unhealthy way, in a sinful way. 
Proverbs 11.2 reads thus. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Right? The Proverbs are so beautiful because they're so self-explanatory. Like, no comment is needed there. Another proverb, Proverbs 29.23. Once pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So in those two Proverbs that we just read about being prideful versus having humility, we see that nowhere in there is God being invoked for giving him credit for the good that he has done. It's only selfish pride. Let's do two more. First John 2.16 says this, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, in the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Okay. Those sins mentioned there, the, the desires of the flesh, the eyes, right? lust comes to mind. The desire to have and half and half, have more. Pride of life. That is not from God. That is of the world. And then one last one, James 4.16, it says this, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. There it is, in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So we see then that the sin of pride, of selfish, man-centered pride, is in fact the first sin that we learn about in scripture before even humanity was created. Satan was created as an angel. And we have an account that he desired to be higher than God. He wanted to be God. Pride. He was cast down. Sinful pride. So what can we think about in our personal application of pride in the wrong way? What are some ways in which this sinful pride, boasting, can be visible and therefore we should be alert in our own lives? Well, one example would be if as a Christian, you are having an issue extending forgiveness to whoever it is, you are prideful. You are in sin. Remember the account of the servant that was forgiven? For his great debt before the master, before a king. And he was forgiven. He seemed to be generally thankful for that. However, what happened when his subservient, his servant, owed him a fraction of what he had been forgiven by his master? He didn't forgive him. We see there. That he was not extending forgiveness because he was being prideful. Another example, as a Christian, are you seeing yourself as holier than other Christians? Because according to your convictions, right? Even we spoke about the freedoms that we have in Christ as Christians. If you honestly think that you are holier than other Christians because you do partake or don't partake or do or don't do whatever other Christians are doing, you are boasting. 
Remember the account of the Pharisee that hypocritically thanked God that he was not like that filthy tax collector. That is prideful, sinful boasting. And then sort of a catch-all, what would perhaps be the, the way in which we can very clearly see pride is the rejection of God altogether. The attitude of, I'm actually okay, I don't need God, I, I really don't need his word, I don't need his commands. The psalmist has something to say about that. He says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. There's been times when I'm witnessing to somebody and somebody says, well, there's actually no God. And I'm like, that's actually what the Bible says. Like, what? Yeah, the Bible says that. Then I go, the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. That could be for the plain out non-believer, right? Prideful. The one who created him and whose image he is formed, he is denying. He has exchanged the created for the creator. Because that person is worshiping something for sure. It's being prideful, boastful. But let us not go too far in the rejection of God as non-believers do. This can also apply for professing believers. Those who say that he or she believes in God, but your life, your actions, your speech, your character towards your spouse, your kids, your neighbor, your family, your friends, your co-workers, has a lot to say about your profession of Christ. And many times your behavior can be worse than that of a non-believer. So at some point, we as believers have been there where our attitudes, our desires, our character, our speech doesn't measure up to our confession of faith in Christ. In that sense, we are rejecting God. We're being prideful. We don't want to submit to the word of God. Scripture tells us whether it's the rejection of God and his ways, whether it is boasting that we are better than other Christians, or whether it is that we are having issues extending grace, peace to others, the scripture says, all such boasting is evil. Evil. It's not that you're having a bad day. No, no, it says it's evil. The wise man boasts in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this that he understands and knows me, and that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Okay, so we see here that we cannot boast in the worldly things. Someone who is not an unbeliever can actually have wisdom and do and live with better life choices than even we can, which should be a shame for us because we know the resources, the mind, the strength to do them. Or do we stand on those accomplishments on our own merit? Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. So we cannot boast. Let us turn whatever it is we are boasting on so that we glorify God. 
And perhaps some of the things that we may be boasting on are not even godly. So let us repent of those things. Secondly, what are your signs and wonders? We talked about how the Apostle Paul in the Apostolic Age had signs and wonders. Anyone who claims in this day that they have those signs and wonders is most likely a false teacher. Now, I will say this. Can God do a miracle in our day? Absolutely. He can and he has. Yes. And he would do that in his sovereignty and for his glory. But we don't get to snap our fingers and claim something and then say that God uh, did a miracle through us on command. That It doesn't happen that way. Now, that said, is there something that the modern Christian, that you, that me, can use to manifest the glory of God to the world? That'll be our signs and wonders, if you will. The answer is yes. More specifically, it is your testimony. How is your testimony before your church, before your family, before your neighbor? The way you live in public and private. What do you have to show? Husbands, how are you loving your wife? Are you loving her as Christ loved the church? Wives, are you respecting your husband? Are you submitting to your husband in the Lord? Children, are you obeying your parents in the Lord? If we do these things, if we show this fruit of the Spirit in our everyday lives, love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, my brothers and sisters, that is your signs and wonders. That's it. We do have the ability to show those things. The power of God that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in us. And it seems that those signs and wonders, to put it that way, are becoming more and more and more rare, even within the church. It's easy to put on a show. And we could even go into red herring and say, well, you know, let's talk about the signs and wonders. We believe that they are not active, but maybe they can. No, put that aside. How are your signs and wonders? How is your showing of the fruit of the spirit in your own life today? These, in a sense, are our signs and wonders, my brothers and sisters, as Christians of today. We can show the world our obedience in faith, in word and deed. And in that, we can say, Lord, thank you. I'm actually proud of what you've done through me to illustrate your glory to the world. And lastly... Let us boast in Jesus. Jesus has a perfect righteousness. He gives that to you. Boast in that. You are accepted before God the Father. Boast in that. Jesus understands your specific situation. He extends a hand of compassion and forgiveness and love to you. Boast in that. Jesus has done that for you. Jesus was put to death for your sins. He calls you to repent and trust in him. Boast in that. Jesus promises to finish the work he started in you. 
That is a guarantee. Boast in that. Take that to the bank. Hold on to those promises of Jesus in your own life. He is so near as a loving father or mother who watches over their vulnerable child. Jesus is closer to you than that. Boast in that. Embrace that. Don't be afraid to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I have nothing, but I can boast in all that Jesus has done for me and in what he will still do in spite of me, not because of me, but in spite of me. My brother and sister, hold on to that. Boast in that. And perhaps as our uh, Pentecostals friend will say, you know, claim it and <laughs> blab it and grab it, so to speak. But my friends, my brothers and sisters, boast in those truths. Those are your truths. In Christ, you can boast in that. So let us then fall upon the mercy of God today so that we can boast in what God has done in each of our, in, in our lives and in the promises that he has told us he will do. Let us also pray that God would grant us the ability to show fruit of our salvation in our home, in our church, in the entirety of our lives. All of us can trust that we come to Christ, we repent from sin daily, that he will equip us with what is needed. We only need to walk in faith one step at a time. Boast in that. Take a hold of those promises that the Lord has for you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, this very moment, Lord, allow us, grant us to repent of all sinful boasting. Oh, Holy Spirit, may you grant us the conviction of sin to repent and to turn to Christ, to be able to boast in righteousness in what Jesus has done in our lives. And that our thanksgiving for all that God has done in us may bring about the obedience of faith so that we may boast for the glory of Christ. It is in his name that we ask these things. Amen.